Hey, 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 JD Gagnon here with Kiara. Uh, we are starting today, first day ever, uh, of the Go Fud Yourself weekly podcast, daily podcast. Every weekday, every day of the week, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, we're going to do a kind of conversation-style podcast talking about news, events of the day, um, just stuff that's happened, and some opinions. So it's intended to be half an hour, 30 minutes. Um, the format will probably evolve. Uh, tops, so tops, tops, 30 minutes tops. Format will evolve uh, over time probably. Might go a little bit longer uh, once we start having more guests and different people on the podcast. But for now, uh, we'll just kick it off. So today's day one. Uh, if you're watching, welcome. Uh, bear with us. We're going to get better at this. Uh, but the idea is to just share... <laughs> You know, as, as much information, as much content as we possibly can, um, given, you know, our experience in the space and, and hopefully provide some insight to people. Uh, you know, we're not monetizing this. We're not doing any paid advertise, well, paid, you know, sections or anything. At some point we might add, you know, some sponsor for the episodes or something, but we're, it's not going to be, you know, pay to play. Um, so everything we talk about yeah, is right just Right now it's own. just us. <laughs> just us. Just us. Uh, so... Yeah, Kiara's the one that's going to have most of the ideas. I'm just here because I've got a pretty face. And uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully we add some value. Go and ahead. such a nice camera and background. You really add like the quality chutz paw to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all fake, right? Like those aren't real books or anything. Actually, they are, but um, I don't think but I've read But you've never read them? No. Not those ones, no. <laughs> no. You know, this isn't what we talked about, but today's Valentine's Day. Yep. What do you love in the DeFi space right now? What do I love in the DeFi space? Yeah. Well, I love a lot of shit actually that's going on, but there, there's been some really cool, um, really cool developments lately. I think with um, meaningful, uh, meaningful cross blockchain communication structures. So um, whether it's IBC on Cosmos or AWM for Avalanche or, if you're looking at the eventual release of CCIP from Chainlink um, or Wormhole Layer Zero and the others that also have some sort of implementation along those lines. I, I think that to me is really compelling. Um, there's a lot of interesting startups that are coming out um, that are supporting this in a more kind of nuanced way. So each, you know, each little business has their own kind of niche focus, which is really, really interesting. I think that's going to completely change the paradigm. I think, you know, the way that, uh, the last couple of cycles, last one in particular, where it was kind of the layer one arms race, uh, I suspect we're going to see something a little bit different this time, uh, this time around. And so that's exciting. Uh, I've been following that pretty closely. I think it impacts a lot of our projects. I think it impacts, uh, yeah, it just impacts the space uh, in a much deeper way. Tooling, user experience, you know, being able to bring some of that stuff obfuscate some of that stuff kind of behind the front end so that the user doesn't really know. The parallel that that I generally draw is it's kind of like the internet or an email, right? If you send someone an email, do you really care necessarily as long as you're comfortable with security and so on? Do you really care or even know or care to know how that email gets sent? Like what is the process? Where does it go? What servers does it go through? Yada, yada. No, all you really care about, generally speaking, with respect to the internet is did it do what I expected it to do? Yeah. That's it. And did it cost me money or not? And was it exorbitant? And what kind of security is there? Same shit. Uh, what about you? 
What, who, who are you sending Valentine's cards to today in Nephi? Oh, well, we sent, we actually did send Valentine's cards to all of our partners for real. Uh, nice. They're on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, fun. It was a fun little activity to think about why we liked everyone, you know? That's cool. We had to do that. Uh, my wife and I did it for our kids last night. And uh, <laughs> she's, she's like, what are 10 things you love about each of our kids? So I was like, that's a lot. I, I probably don't like them that much. Um, but anyways, I'm just kidding. We made all these little, you, you remember those like little, it was like powder, like powdered sugar stamped oh, yeah. into like a, into yeah. like a heart. And then it said, be mine. Or what are those called? Yeah. yeah. Some can't, there's a, anyways, love, we made a whole part. Is that love hearts? I don't know. Um, anyways, we, we made a whole bunch of those and taped them to the kids' doors when they got up. And then we hand wrote cards for them and, uh, I'm not usually one to get into it, but uh, my wife went kind of crazy about it yesterday. Kids were fired up this morning, so it's good. Hopefully our partners are that fired up too. That's cute. Yeah, that's fun. You know, every year I do a Galentine's event. So... A what? Sorry. Every year I do a Galentine's event. So on the 13th, we get a bunch of women together and we do some sort of event and it's like a love fest for girls. But the point of it is that we always make a donation to something. So this year we brought together, we did a clothing swap and almost nobody took anything home. So we did clothing, housewares, toys, that kind of stuff. And then today it's getting donated to um, a single mom's group where we live. And so every year cool. for Valentine's and other types of holidays, I try to do things like that. And funny segue, because that's actually the thing that I think is great about DeFi right now is there aren't a lot of new players and there's not a lot of gatekeeping right now. There's just a lot of um, helping people and sharing information and figuring out how to navigate what's coming up. And I find that right now in the DeFi ecosystem, people are coming together more and hating each other less than actually during the bull run. So that's kind of kind of what I like right now. But Couldn't agree more, actually. The and I, I saw some interesting kind of collaborative uh, discussions about... Um, apparently there's going to be a cosmos sdk version on an avalanche subnet uh, i'm not exactly sure how it it was just kind of teased but um and both both ecosystems seemed pretty excited about that potential of working together um which generally again the l1 wars have been fairly contentious right like they the, most often you know the maxis of one chain are just hating on the other chain without even really understanding it and I mean, sure, I have my preferred blockchain ecosystems also, um, but I think there's a lot of really interesting novel technology being built and and the collaborative kind of the collaborative nature, I think right now of the teams that have remained um, is is definitely palpable. You know, you can you can it's, you, you can feel the shift. Um, which is exciting because I think you got rid of a lot of the opportunists. Anybody that thought it was going to be super easy money, you know, fork, fork a project, you know, <laughs> do a public sale and somehow within a year you're going to be, you know, a decamillionaire. Realize that's not usually how that works. You actually have to build something that has value and it takes some time. <laughs> and then maybe you can capitalize on the value yourself after you've done a service and built value for others. So uh, I think you there's know, a lot of... Go ahead. That's interesting too, because I'm sure everyone is talking about BUSD today. And I was reading about it. And that's the part of the how test, right? The how test is, are you purchasing something just to make money? And if we no longer have that same type of person within the ecosystem, 
how does that change how regulation might impact us, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess I, I don't necessarily mean that uh, individual traders. I meant more mm -hmm. like projects. Like the people that are building projects are not as obviously opportunists now. Like the people that the people that remain are, are people that build during the sentiment and you know of a bear market. Um, you, you're committed generally. You, you believe in what you're doing. It's not you know jump on a bandwagon. Um, you're doing something that you believe is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if you've gone from trough to peak to trough to peak a few times, um, you realize that you know a, a lot of the people that you thought might stick around don't. And and you see who really you know is here for the long haul. And that's uh, definitely interesting. In terms of um, BUSD, maybe we can transition to that. That's probably kind of one of the bigger pieces of of uh, of news, I guess, going on right now. Um, I mean, the BUSD thing, Paxos in particular, getting the Wells notice from the SEC. I mean, we're probably going to talk about regulation and SEC related stuff almost every time um, because it is, I think, it's so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's temperatures up for sure. Um, but it's it's definitely interesting. Um, and I mean, for what it's worth. And I guess we should say this at the beginning of every episode. Uh, the opinions here are ours, our personal opinions. Neither of us are attorneys. Neither of us are financial planning professionals. Neither of us are accountants. So anything we say is just our opinion. Um, it's how we feel about it. Could be wrong. If we ever say anything incorrect, uh, we'll absolutely correct ourselves. We will post sources uh, over time when we start to have you know, more and more references. We'll have sources on our on our videos all the time so that you can actually confirm the, the things that we're saying. But as far as the Wells notice goes, um, I found it kind of interesting that Paxos was, you know, was the first one um, for a host of reasons. I mean, there's arguments on both sides, but from a stable coin issuer perspective, I was surprised because Paxos, you know, is a, is a regulated entity in many other ways already. They're, they're a well-respected firm. They understand compliance and, and, and so much of that nuance, they have a really good deep understanding. So to see uh, the SEC, you know, potentially going after someone like that, um, it was kind of surprising to me. I, I expected, I guess what I expected to happen, which doesn't mean much, but what I expected to happen was we would get some version of a framework, some version of a regulatory framework, even a very loosely defined one, but one that had some goalposts. And then they would say, okay, who are the most egregious, you know, examples that aren't moving towards compliance here? And let's start really protecting consumers, ultimately. Let, let's protect the end consumer from a lot of these kind of quasi questionable. Um, I'm surprised that they went after some people that are probably doing it as close to the regulated way as possible, um, I'm surprised that they went after those types of people. And how it how it implicates Binance is a little suspect um, because it's Paxos only issues on Ethereum, and then Binance and then Binance with SD to other networks and so on. And so there's, uh, but Binance wasn't named. You know, SEC probably is trying to avoid a big fight with someone that has enough firepower. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it's unfortunate that Paxos says they're not going to support BUSD, mm -hmm. um, uh, Mints anymore. You know, they'll they'll support Redemptions and so on. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that that all plays out. Um, there, there's a lot of concern there, though. Like from a DeFi perspective, I mean, the peg should hold because you can always redeem. It's over collateralized, so you can always redeem 
you know, you can get your value back. If you burn your BSD, you should be able to get your value back in the underlying uh, collateral. But there's a lot of activity that happens on chain in between that. So you can swap products, you can swap from, you know, BUSD to others, you can, there's a whole bunch of other things you can do that that change the price of BUSD on chain. Um, so it can depeg on chain, even though in reality, the value still exists. And if it does that, what are the impacts on quasi bank run for, you know, lending protocols, options, derivatives, futures, like there's just so many financial products that, um, you know, we, we really had to take a pause and be like, holy crap, uh, like what, what are the long tail impacts of this short term? Probably not super concerning, um, but long term, you know, as as liquidity starts to dry up and they start to deprecate the asset, I mean, it, it becomes a, a larger risk. And so uh, I think that's been interesting. It, it's weird to watch the regulators right now in the U.S. I mean, I'm obviously biased in a certain way, um, but it's interesting to watch uh, because what it seems like they're doing is they're going after your on and off ramps and your, your connections from fiat to crypto. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's just coincidence or if that's by design, um, but as, as an American or as somebody living in America or any Western nation, Canada has very similar rules to America now um, and many other Western, Western uh, nations have the same. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, they're making it really difficult to, to get in and out of, of crypto and that's, kind of the antithesis of the, the point. The point is, is access, is, you know, transparency, like being able to do this stuff without um, a whole bunch of crazy restrictions. And so we've got to find a middle ground. And uh, I think that'll be interesting. Like this whole, like, did you see Gensler's video the other day? No. Uh, maybe maybe on, an, on a future episode, we'll have to show it, but... Okay. Um, Anyways, Gensler came out with a video that more or less implied that both Kraken, which was last week, and, and Paxos, it would have been as simple as filling out a form on the SEC website. That's actually not true <laughs> at all. Um, you know, and so the challenge here is if, if the U.S. wants to remain competitive um, in terms of being a, a global tech leader, this is an area undoubtedly that will um, significantly change global commerce change the internet, change finance globally. And so we either need to find a way that, you know, to enable uh, ingenuity and entrepreneurship in America, or we're going to be left in the dust, I think. And so it will be interesting, be interesting to see what happens, but they do need to make it, they do need to make it easier. I mean, the average DeFi protocol trying to test a new concept um, you're never going to be able to raise $10 million and spend a year and a half just to get the regulatory approvals um, to be, if you even can uh, get the approvals. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. You've, that's the problem with traditional finance is it, it is significantly weighted towards the incumbents. And that isn't the spirit, generally speaking, of capitalism. And so we'll have to see to see how that evolves. Hopefully, and you know, we're happy to be a part of the conversation, but hopefully there's enough meaningful players in America. And there is, you see, you know, Brian Armstrong and the Coinbase policy team, Faryar is amazing. Um, you know, some incredibly well 
first individuals in, in policy. Um, hopefully we can influence, uh, ho hopefully we can have a say in how this, how this happens. But I mean, what is the government really trying to do? Protect people from, you know, being scammed or misled, right? Misinformed about things and make sure that everybody pays their taxes. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like let's call a spade a spade. The government wants their pound of flesh and rightly so, right? I get it. Um, so let, let's first figure that out. Like let, what is like the low, the lowest minimum acceptable standard that gives us a baseline. Let's just make sure everybody adheres to that first so that we know there's proper reporting. We know there's proper, you know, at least transparency of information for users. Like let that be the simple baseline. And, mm -hmm. and then we can, you know, make more complex um, regulations after. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that whole thing? I, I, I know I can go on for hours on regulation. <laughs> That's why you're here. You know, it's interesting because this is one of the arguments I hear about crypto versus cash all the time, is that the intention of crypto was, in, for some people, was to be deregulated, but it's never untraceable. So lots of people stick with cash for whatever they're doing, whether it's you know, tips or un, you know, paid labor or what have you, because they don't have to pay the taxes on it if they can, they can illegally evade them, right? And with crypto, with blockchain, you're never going to be able to lack a ledger. So there's always the transparency of how much is moving around and why it's moving around. And that is one of the holdbacks of a lot of people I know who think that the revolution of finance is there, but it's, it's overwhelming to them to think that they could be controlled in a new way. But it isn't really new. It's just a different ledger, right? It's really interesting. It, it is super, uh, super interesting. I mean... <laughs> And this is, I think, what's causing us so much like angst at the moment, it, like between us as like builders mm -hmm. in the space and regulators and even the, the end users is a it's just we it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. Like they've been they hint at certain things and then they enforce other things. And like, I, I mean, even if the resulting regulation is somewhat frustrating to us, at least we would know what it is. And so we can act accordingly. None of us want to be outside of compliance like right uh, i mean of course we want to build technologies and we want to you know push the limits of what's possible but we don't want to be running into issues with you know with government agencies of course um but when crypto first started i mean that's the problem is we focused so much um in the early days on privacy and anonymity because that was the piece of crypto that was um usable at that point. So when Bitcoin first came out, you know, for all intents and purposes that there wasn't sophisticated tracking software, it was mm -hmm. generally at the time quite um, anonymous because the only way to buy it was like in person or like for the first couple of years, not couple of years, but for the first little while. And then there were some exchanges and KYC wasn't whatever. Um, but as blockchain has evolved, uh, in my opinion, Anonymity, first of all, is, is a bit of a misnomer. There's not mm -hmm. really such a thing as anonymity anymore. Um, and privacy, yes, we th there's mechanisms that we can create privacy from the average person. But I think we're deluded if we ever think that the government is just going to accept private financial transactions of any size globally. Um, it's just not going to. It's just not going to happen. Um, and so. But there's so many things that are zero to one innovations. You know, there's so many things that that blockchain really enables 
um, you know, again, the transparency, the immutability, the borderless transactions, 24 seven availability, like it just enables so many people, low fees, simplicity, generally speaking. And yeah, there's potential for some privacy later on. And maybe in some cases, potential for anonymity, at least public anonymity. Um, and all that stuff is, is fantastic. But I, you know, some people are just still stuck on that. Ah, the government's going to stay out of my business. No, no, they're not. Like in, until we, until we get to a point in society where we're like, government doesn't work. We don't want one anymore. Um, there's going to be oversight. And different regime. What is the government? Yeah, different. But even a different regime, it's all the same. Like, generally speaking, when you have a large enough bureaucracy overseeing 350 million people, they, they have to create structures. To, exactly. You know, they you have to create rules that are geared towards your b worst actors, right? Regulations are annoying for most of us because we're not doing anything malicious or negligent anyways. Yeah. Um, Here's something else that's kind of interesting in, in that vein, if I could. It's a little bit yeah. Margaret Atwood, so bear with me here. Um, but we're seeing a lot of regulation. Maybe that's a loose term to use here, but we're seeing a lot of standards set by companies and projects within the crypto space, right? So I mean, like, big movers, Binance, Coinbase, that kind of thing. They're large, they're huge, they're laying out what they expect to see. And in some ways that's been who's regulating the crypto market thus far. Right. And some of the things that I was reading yesterday in relation to the regulations and SEC and all that is that the sentiment of having a branded stable coin can become quite negative because it's kind of like, I mean, we don't have a Deutsche Bank dollar, right? Like we don't, we don't have an HSBC USD. Um, so why do we have BUSD or why do we have TUSD, right? And I think I think that's a really interesting concept. It's like, are we buying into a different type of overlord or a different type of expectation that is still the management of what what we're doing, or is is there some sort of different tactic to having a branded stablecoin? It's an interesting concept, and I mean, mm -hmm. I think stablecoin is maybe too narrow of a definition, but yeah. there's some really interesting implementations where they're trying to create. Um, contract focused tokens. So yeah. something something that can be the contractual reference, but it's not necessarily pegged to a, some sort of you know foreign currency or, mm -hmm. or local currency. And there's some interesting there's some inter interesting challenges. I'm not sure if anybody's got it right, but I've I've read a few papers recently um, that you know if if practice is close to theory, it could be pretty cool. Uh, I, I think that it comes down to on that point of like whether it's branded or whether it's like a government, you know, CBDC, uh, you know, facilitated via the central bank, um, which we could spend a whole episode on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Whether 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 we like it or not, I still think uh, that is going to be a reality no matter what. Whether we like it or not, CBDCs are going to be most likely a very common thing in five years. Uh, I I don't know that with certainty, but I. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. There's a lot of major governments looking at doing it. Some have already deployed CBDCs. You know, um, I just think it's, it's it's another way that government can have oversight and control. And bureaucracy wants power. That's it's the nature. So uh, that's interesting. I think the the reason that there's different opinions on this is because some people believe that the power of the US dollar, for example, um, is as a contract asset, something that is used and referenced in contracts globally and, and as a you know, global currency for means of trade. Um, that's awesome. 
except for the fact that there is so many things beyond the economic performance of that asset that impact the value of that asset. Geopolitics, credit rating, like a whole bunch of credit rating of the US government, GDP, total debt, interest, prevailing interest rates. Like there, there's a million things that, um, that change the value of the US dollar relative to other, other global currencies. And there's so many countries that their local currency, I mean, is a ping pong ball. Like it's, it's all over the place. We, we've seen a lot of unfortunate circumstances, Venezuela, Argentina, Brazil, in many cases where their, their, their currencies just get devalued like so fast because of printing, right? Government printing resources. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, the stablecoin thing. I, I mean, it is becoming somewhat alarming that all of a sudden, you know, what stablecoin is next and without stablecoins, that, that's a huge piece of portfolio management, right? Okay. So I don't know. Anyways, any other, uh, ideally we talk about a few more, a few more uh, news pieces. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Well, no, we got we got roped into the the biggest thing right now. I think um, you know because it's Valentine's Day. Let's end this on a love fest, just to like come full circle. Hell yeah! Let's Who do, do you do you have any crypto crushes? Crypto crushes? Yeah. Anyone you're like fanboying over? I don't know. If you've been pretty stoked about Rug Radio, don't you have like 95 of their NFTs? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about Rug Radio, to be honest. Uh, I'm also really cool about Product Zero from, or really excited about Product Zero from probably nothing. Yeah. Um, it, it's really going to change the way that the NFT game is played and how you can consume information and stay on top of things. Pretty interested there. Rug Radio, yeah, they, they did their PFP, the PFP uh, NFT sale. Um, I've got a couple of them. Um, which is not which is 90. I was, I was exaggerating. <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've got more than I should probably, but um, I mean, for me, again, that, that's, it's an asset that I think if I have to bet on jockeys um, for Oak and team, there's not, not too many groups that can, that can build a social, uh, social platform, a social yeah. structure like that um, any better than they possibly could. So that's, where my bet is, is on the jockey, not necessarily the current status of, of Rug Radio. But it's pretty cool. If you follow Rug Radio, they're doing some cool shit. What about you? Who's your uh, crypto Well, crush? on NFTs, just yesterday I found the Harito's Probably Nothing Valentine's drop. It's yeah. so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's neat. It's neat how brands are leaning into, uh, yeah. leaning into the Valentine's Day thing. I mean, sometimes it goes too far and it's kind of woke and cheesy and stupid but yeah, okay. there's some interesting ones that, that have come oh up. we should plan something for april fools but that might add to the the dgen scam <laughs> regulation conversation yeah that's all that's all we need is you know some somebody to take the joke seriously and think that it's actually happening yeah um, I, I remember when i was uh, this is a stupid story but i remember when i was in high school um it, the the newspaper of the city i lived in did a thing that they, we had this huge park in, in the middle of the city. Um, and it was, it was like a very common place for people to go, it was beautiful, whatever. Um, and they, on the front page of the newspaper, they said they were building a giant dome over this park. And it was pretty serious. Like they wrote a full article as if it was actually gonna happen. And I believed it, like 100% was like, what the hell, there's gonna be a dome? Like, that's ridiculous. Where are they gonna get all the glass? Like, how are they gonna clean it? Like, and when they finally came out and said it was a joke, I was like super offended, I don't know, so. April Fools has kind of been lost on me ever since. 
Okay, well, Anyways. we'll refrain from April Fool's. Well, happy Tuesday, and uh, go FUD yourself, JD. Go FUD yourself. We'll see you all tomorrow. Episode one in the books.